Welcome, guys, back to the Grateful Living Podcast. Today, I'm th- thankful to have Katie Southworth with me. Katie is an internationally recognized abstract artist. Her work harnesses the power of color and light to promote mindfulness, mental well-being, and joy. Over 100 of her original works are in private collections in New York City, Vero Beach, LA, Edgartown, Hermosa Beach, Oakland, Denver, Canada, Slovenia, and many more places. Katie's work has been featured in international publications, including House and Garden UK, Vanity Fair London, and British Vogue. Her first solo show, Color Joy, at New Cannon Gallery and Frame, attracted over 300 people to opening night and 10 pieces sold in total. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I know it's awesome to be here. I'm a huge fan of your work and this podcast, so it's an honor. I appreciate that. I appreciate hearing that. Uh, so, you know, before we get started, uh, just want to provide a trigger warning for anyone listening. Uh, we will be talking about suicide in this interview. Um, so just, uh, you know, putting that warning out there. And then, you know, Katie, for you as well, I just want to say, you know, given the emotional nature of the podcast, you know, obviously, if you ever you need a break, you need time to cry or anything like that. You know, obviously, um, I'm, I'm, we can pause and things like that. And then, you know, if I ask you something that feels like it's pushing you too much, just be like, I don't, I don't really feel like answering that. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so with that, Katie, um, for those of us that don't know you as well, you know, kind of take us back to the beginning, where you grew up, your family situation you know, what type of kid you were, things like that. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, I think I've spoken to Arnav about this before. You know, I grew up what I thought was like, I was a super normal kid, right? Um, I guess super normal, really lucky kid. I grew up with a brother and, uh, you know, the ability to play sports and uh, art offered as a subject in my elementary school. So I was always really busy, really active. Um, and a really close-knit family as well. Um, so I was a really happy kid, and I had absolutely no idea that anyone in my family, particularly my mom, was sick in any sort of way. Um, but in fact, that was the truth that I wouldn't learn until I was actually 20 years old, that she battled a huge illness her, her entire life of, of bipolar depression. Um, so... I would describe my childhood as sort of a, a, a blissfully ignorant, <laughs> um, happy, wonderful uh, upbringing in Southern Connecticut. Um, probably would have defined myself as a gymnast, uh, more of a student athlete all the way through high school and into college. Um, and it wasn't until college that I really considered myself uh, an artist. So, Yeah. I'm curious, you know, obviously there are going to be two elements, um, you know, the art and then the mental health piece, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, for you, um, when did, when did art become a part of your life? And, um, do you, do you remember your first memory? I mean, uh, I think art has always been a part of my life, but it's varied in terms of significance or importance. Right. Um, so I mentioned that it was available, you know, as a, a, as a special in my elementary school, right? So I think that first kind of sparked my interest. And then over the summers, I would, you know, be known to kind of start painting on random things like rocks and shells and stuff. And I always kind of loved it as a little bit of a hobby. 
Um, but I think it wasn't until high school that, you know, I had enough skills and I took a few classes that I really started to get, you know, it really interested and, and I loved getting better at it. Um, and I found that it was kind of the only time where I would kind of chill out because uh, I was, and still am like a really, really ambitious person. So I always had a full schedule. I was always, you know, doing sports and that extra class and whatever. And art was sort of that thing that would slow me down and kind of work my brain in a different way. So um, I would say that I had definitely like a bug by the time I entered college, um, so much so that I was bold enough to put it on my schedule and continue studying it in college. Yeah. Awesome. And you know, in the same vein, uh, you know, do you remember the first time you were like heard the word mental health or, you know, bipolar or, or things of that nature? Sure. Um, I mean, I knew that I wanted to be a psychology major in college because I think I lacked that as, um, you know, a source of understanding. Like I knew that mental health was a part of mouth. I knew, I knew that um, you know, certain people had mental disorders, but, um, I was more interested in sort of like positive psychology, I guess, going in, like what makes people work the way they do, what, what comprises, uh, our emotions and our behaviors, like, where does it all come from? Um, so, but yeah, I definitely think I first started learning about actually what it is. Um, definitely when I started to take a closer look at it, um, in college. I certainly didn't know my mom was sick as a kid or anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess not to go right into it, but I mean, you know, just to give context to the listeners, do you want to kind of tell us the story of your mom? Tell us about her and then, you know, the, you know, the events that um, unfolded in college. Yeah. I mean, it's I love talking about my mom, <laughs> my friends, and I talk about her all the time. She was just the most amazing human being. Um, she was like super wacky. Um, she was really excited all the time, mostly for other people. Um, she was kind of known to be a mother to like everyone, like all my friends loved her. And to all of her friends, she was just sort of this light. She was like the light in the room, just always trying to cheer you up or talk about your day in a genuine way. Like when she asked you how you were, she, she meant it. (laughs) Um, she like was super talkative and whatever. So everyone just knew her as this like life, life, like full of life person. Um, so, but that was the side of her that she sort of presented to the world. Um, and she lived in a, a lot of darkness kind of, uh, by herself. Um, obviously not many people knew about that. Um, and I didn't even either until I was 20. Um, and that was when sort of, uh, one of a family member of ours sort of started struggling with a mental disorder and we didn't really understand it. So that's, I would say that's the first time that I learned that bipolar was partly genetic. And, um, at first I was, there was a twinge of anger in there because I was sort of feeling a little bit uninformed about my own, uh, uh, health records, I guess. Uh, my own health history. Um, But yeah, uh, that was fall semester of my junior year of college when I learned that she was, she was ill. Um, And unfortunately, that was the beginning of sort of a a pretty big rabbit hole for her. She had a 
a challenging year. Um, and then, you know, eight months later, she was gone. You know, I just got a phone call. Um, and it was just, I don't want to say that it was completely out of, out of the blue because I, everyone knew how much she was in a, a bad place at that time. Um, but of course, I mean, anyone that's been through this will tell you that it's just, it's a smack in the face and you, your whole entire life changes in the blink of an eye. Um, and almost the worst part is you'll, you'll never really know hundred percent why hundred percent of what they were thinking, what was in their head. All you can really know is it wasn't really them thinking. And that's, yeah. that's the tough part is that, you know, it was another part of their chemically imbalanced brain talking. Yeah. And that's kind of the only thing that we can all know to be true. Um, so yeah, that was August of, uh, 2015. And yeah, and as with anything, I mean, the same is true today. Life just sort of goes on. So um, that was a week before my senior year. <laughs> and my brother happened to be at the same uh, university as me. So we both went to Colby College and we both decided as a family that we would go back to school on time, me to my senior year, him to his sophomore year. And we just sort of moved, like lived on. Moved on is not the right word she's always here. It's always, it is my story, you know? Yeah. Um, but we didn't feel any need to sort of pause life, if you will, because you can't really do that. So yeah, that's kind of the, the short version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you get this information, um, fall of your junior year, mm -hmm. um, you know, the question people always like to ask, you know, and I don't know if it's the right question, but mm -hmm. did you guys feel like there were signs, you know, before, you know, before that August date, you know, maybe a, a month before or a week before was she, you know, apologizing about things? Was she, you know, were, were there any signs that felt like, did you know you as family members look back on um yeah i guess yeah i mean i think we always knew that she was kind of different than other moms um i mean cuz she didn't just struggle struggle with depression it was bipolar depression right so she would have these really amazing high highs and then um that we most we we saw those you know um but she tended to sort of uh hide away when she was in those low lows um you know, that point at which I found out she was ill, um, not really. I mean, she had moments of like being sh short or maybe a little bit irritable or maybe a little bit quiet. Um, but I always just sort of thought of that as just mom being mom, you know, she was just, uh, that was just her. And knowing that she was ill didn't really change anything about the way I behaved with her or interacted with her it just was sort of a, a different layer of, of understanding as to why as to where those behaviors may or may not be coming from and it's kind of tricky to separate the two like is this just your personality or is this um part of what you're you're battling or you're struggling so that's i think that's a, a common hardship yeah, yeah um i'm curious you know getting the news and then, you know, that 
initial week after, um, you know, you kind of described it as, you know, life, you know, continues and things like that. So that gives me some idea that you might have just compartmentalized, you know, it, you know, I guess. I don't know if there's any advice to give, but, you know, as you look back on that time period, if, if, you know, if unfortunately someone else is going through this where they've lost a parent to suicide, is there anything that you look back on as I should have done this? I should have taken a longer break. I should have done like, does anything come to mind in that sense? Sure. And I've actually had a couple people call me, um, you know, to say, oh my God, this happened to me or a family member or a friend, like, what do I do? How do I help them? Um, and it is correct that you'll, you'll never be able to, you know, every experience is super different for everybody. So I always kind of start those phone calls with, look, this is a totally unique experience to you. This, this is your tragedy. This is your trauma. This is your experience. You know, mine, even though on paper, it might, you know, have the same word in it, suicide. It doesn't mean that, you know, we've been through anything similar. But I, I, I will say that um, I think the one thing I was told when I was going through it that I don't think I listened to well enough, and it was probably because I didn't understand how to do it well enough, is um, to do something for yourself each day. And that doesn't necessarily mean taking a month, two months, three months, like break from everything. You know, I, I think that that's sort of a, a common thing that people might think like, oh, she, oh, she just went through this. She must be, you know, you're pausing everything for a while. Um, not necessarily. I don't think that is helpful. I think what is helpful is perhaps, you know, you, yeah, go on with your life, continue your day to day, but maybe take that 15 minutes, an hour, a couple hours to go on that walk, uh, go to the gym, uh, meditate whatever it is that gives you peace or maybe it's just going into a closet and crying your eyes out for an hour like it doesn't have to make sense it doesn't have to be socially appropriate it doesn't have to uh resonate with anyone else except for you um and that's that's a big ask like it's a learning curve in itself you know and I think mine uh was lucky enough to be sort of already in my lap a little bit it was painting um but I didn't know that it was painting it sort of uh manifested that way for me just by nature of I I literally I had it on my schedule that fall when I went back to school um so yeah I mean that's the only thing that I would say um actually helped me it wasn't any card or flower or phone call that someone gave me. It was someone saying to me, a really good friend who I, I talk to every year, um, said when I originally called him and told him the news, he said, what have you done for yourself today? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like my whole family's grieving. I got to be there for them. I got to, and he was like, no, no, no. What's the one thing you're going to do for yourself today? And um, yeah, I wish I had known how to do that that week. Yeah probably would have helped yeah you mentioned friends is there anything that you would recommend um you know friends or even family do you know in a situation like that 
because obviously, you know, they have no relatability. Um, and as, as you said, everything's individual, but as you look back on it, um, is there any, any advice you would give to friends or family on, on supporting someone that's lost someone, um, you know, to suicide? Um, I think just showing up, um, and that doesn't mean show up and say, Hey, how, how you must be sad. How are you feeling? No, it's just showing up and just reminding them that you exist and that you care about them. Cause I think the, the most painful thing about losing someone to suicide is you struggle with this abandonment type thing. And, um, that definitely persists. Like I'm, I'm always scared of being left, you know, again, by, by anyone, by a pet by a friend, by uh, a teacher. Like it always sucks whenever, whenever you lose someone, I think, or at least that's my experience. Whenever I lose someone um, in any sense of the word, whether it being like an experience ends or like I quit my job recently, like losing those coworkers every day, like it, ugh, it you get that little trigger. So I think, um, you know, uh, and I had a lot of, of friends do that for me. And um, it's funny, they weren't necessarily close um, at the time, like they were friends, like old childhood friends that, um, we had sort of fallen out. But, um, once, you know, that whole thing happened to my family, they just sort of like started reaching out once, like every once in a while, not necessarily to talk about it, not necessarily to talk about the loss or my mom, just, but just to be like, Hey, I, I'm here. I see you. I, we exist. Our relationship exists. And that's helpful. You know, just knowing that people are out there thinking of you. So it's like as simple as like sending someone a funny picture or sending someone a meme or a, a fun video. It's just showing yeah. up. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about going to having to make the decision to go to school the next mm -hmm. week. And, you know, you know, when I said compartmentalize, you know, in a positive manner, in the sense that you had to, you know, in order to keep moving forward, you kind of had to, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm curious, like, as you look back on that process, obviously college is a, is a time period where people, you know, as a whole are living carefree without much, you know, a huge conscience, you know, you know, and so, you know, whether it's school or it's, you know, they go back to work, you know, two weeks later, you know, was there some, I guess, some way that you were able to help with that transition to, you know, this major thing has happened in your life, but you mm -hmm. have to like be mm -hmm. in normal society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's tricky. I think the two things that were essential to me being able to do that um were two things but again they it's sort of funny how lucky I got with these because I didn't necessarily set them up in uh anticipation that I would need them um but the two things were I had a single so I was um I lived in my own room so I had a place to go and just be however I wanted to be um if I needed to spend a whole day under the covers watching Netflix I did that if I needed to just like I don't know, breathe for, you know, I, I had that alone space. Um, cause being alone and feeling lonely are two extremely different things. Um, and 
I don't think I felt lonely, but having that alone time was important. Um, and then I thought the second thing would be my swim team. Um, and that definitely, definitely helped. Don't get me wrong. Like having that whole entire team of support, having that exercise every day, having that just sort of uh, a new goal to focus on, whatever. Um, but it was actually painting. Um, and I didn't know that it would be that. And I think it, again, was another moment where I could just sort of be alone with my thoughts and not only alone with my thoughts, but away from my thoughts to be externalized, you know, to put literally on paper and in front of my face. And um, that was what sort of helped me process this ridiculousness that I was being asked to do, you know, process a whole new life, essentially, and kind of wrap up this career of mine, um, my collegiate career. Um, so yeah, that was, so I guess the commonality in the, in those two things is again, sort of that alone time. And, um, I think it might be an interesting piece of advice to give like, Oh, when you lose someone, like go make, spend some time alone. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. Um, but actually I think it was more imperative than even I realized at the time. Um, because I think you need to be confronted with how you're actually feeling without any other, you know, social things going on to understand what you actually need to, to continue healing. You gotta, you gotta listen to yourself somehow. So. This is not a fair question to you. So feel free to, <laughs> to, to not answer. Um, but there's a chance that, you know, when this gets published that a parent who is mm -hmm. dealing with mental health troubles Mm -hmm. listens to this and and here's you know a parent with kids here's you know you speaking mm -hmm. you know if they're contemplating suicide is there is there something you would say um to them um having experienced you know the other side of 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 that there's a good that's that's a really hard question. And it's a hard question because um, there's a certain barrier to how much they'll even be able to hear you, you know? Yeah, and, and as we said, obviously, yeah. you know, the voices in their head aren't no, I them, think it's, you know? Exactly, so yeah. it's um, difficult. But I guess, but I guess, I suppose assuming that, you know, they might be able to, to hear me um, I don't know. I would probably just offer that they're not alone. You know, yeah. like even though they might be feeling completely and utterly alone and helpless and whatever, but and this is the entire point of why I'm talking to you this evening. Yeah. Is, uh, and is yeah, literally and to put forth that like this is so common. Like all you have to do is throw a stone or like breathe and your breath will like land on someone who is also probably maybe struggling with something along the lines of, you know, so. Yeah. I guess to, yeah, that they're not alone. And if they just, you know, ask and they shall receive friendship, love, support. Yeah. Um did you deal with any feelings of guilt? You know, <laughs> a, a little, but it's, that's such a good question because 
and I, I feel really lucky with this one because I, I had so much uh, amazing support, not only with like family and stuff, but also with my own, uh, it sounds even silly to say, but like with my own intellectual education, like I studied this. <laughs> like I, it was actually extremely ironic right after she passed away. The next class on my schedule was abnormal psych. So I literally like right after she died, had a deep dive course into like abnormal psych and one of the diseases that we were to study was bipolar disorder. So it was like, it was, that was a little tough. Talk, talk about like tough questions and timing. Like that was a little bit much to, I almost dropped that course because it was almost too much, but I decided to open myself up bravely to all that new information and it really helped. I mean, it really did. Um, so I kind of am grateful that I was kind of smacked in the face with all that information, even though it was tough to hear, it was necessary to hear because it taught me to absolutely rid any possible feelings of, of guilt when they do show up because they will show up, you know, like it's almost impossible. I think personal opinion that going through something like this, that you won't ever feel some, some version of, of guilt. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's not a problem that it shows up. It's a problem if you let it consume you and you believe it. Um, so, you know, the whole you are not your thoughts thing is, I guess, the most important thing to carry away from that. Um, because guilt is normal as a feeling. Um, but learning how to sort of be like, hey, you're a feeling. You showed up. Thank you for being here. I'm going to put you aside now because that's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, obviously it's been some time, um, you know, over six years now for you. Um, you know, I guess, uh, does time help? Do you, you know, have you gained new perspective? Do you look at it differently or is, I mean, I, obviously the wound never goes away, but, um, I guess, how has it been, you know, as the, as the years go on? Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question. Cause you're right. It, it never does leave you and it doesn't get better. Like people will always tell you, Oh, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. It doesn't, you get better. You just learn to live with it better. You learn to develop new skills. You learn how to process it further. So I think my art helps me the most with that. You know, the more I can paint, the more I can be creative and figure out these ways to, um, you know, combat darkness with my art. Um, sort of the more I can almost like feel her energy, like feel her legacy. Um, so that 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 really helps. Um, but yeah, it the years do go by and you do get stronger, but I don't think it'll ever go away. And I say this all the time to people, like the hardest parts are in the really, really bad moments and the really, really good moments. The really, really good moments almost hurt more because, you know, when something good happens, what's the first thing you want to do? Pick up the phone and call your mom, tell her what happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that will never stop stinging, yeah. like in full force. So. This is another tough question, but um, curious if you have any advice for, um, you know, people dating someone um, who have lost a parent, you know, to mm -hmm. suicide 
Um, you know, you talked a little bit about abandonment, right. but does, does, you know, as we said before, the other person's never going to get it and never going to understand that. But is there, you know, mm-hmm. like it could be as simple as don't complain about, you know, your mom or something like, I don't even know, but like, is it, is it, is there something you look at, um, that you would recommend, you know, people entering into relationships, um, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I that's a really good question. I've, I've been through, I was in a relationship when my trauma happened and that relationship ended and I'm in a new one now. And, um, I, I think I would just, just, uh, I think transparency is the key, you know, and it's a two-way street, right? So the person who's experienced it, like it's on you to be at a point with yourself where you're comfortable enough to talk about it. Because if you don't talk about it, it, it will bring up issues that, you know, will be hard to explain with any other thing. So, and that, again, that's a big ask. Like you've, it's a lot of self-learning. It's a lot of confidence building and skill building but I think the more you can be upfront about what you've been through what hurts the most uh you know boundaries it's like what you said like tell your significant other that it bothers you to talk about parents or or you know for some people it might be hey I love talking about parents like tell me more about your parents um and it's it's super personal um but yeah, it's, it's a tough one because yeah, that, that abandonment fear is probably in there somewhere and that's really hard to grapple with in a relationship. So um, establishing trust is probably the most important thing, probably the first major thing to establish and that takes a lot of time too. So I don't know, I guess to sum it up, I would say just some keys, transparency, trust and patience. Yeah. It. yeah is, is there anything else that you would like to you know talk about um you know with your life you know experience and knowledge you know whether thoughts on grief um you know what to do on the toughest days or you know i, I mean especially i didn't ask that but like you know people in your situation yeah. um you know, that might, it might've happened recently that their parent passed, like, mm-hmm. you know, is there something that you would tell them about this whole process and, and continuing with life? That it's going to be super unique to them and it's, and it's going to be up to them to figure out their own best path forward because you can read as many books as you want. You can listen to as many podcasts as you want you can, uh, and, and that's all good, you know, do all that stuff, try out different methods, um, listen to what other people have done and try it out for yourself. But at the end of the day, it's gonna be a trial and error process until you find something that works for you. And you've gotta learn how to be selfish. And I'm gonna use that word in a positively framed way in this situation. I hate that, that selfish is framed as, as, as this bad word. You've got to be a little bit selfish when something like this happens to you. You have to put yourself first. You've got to take care of yourself in, in any form that makes sense to you. 
and again, that it, 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 it is allowed to be something that doesn't make sense to anyone else. You know, in my situation, it was doing abstract art. And this year that manifested in quitting my job to do abstract art full time. That's what makes sense for me. That's, awesome. That's what makes me feel the most healthy, the most connected to her and her legacy and my vision and my hope for the future, for others, for health, for everything. And it might not be easy. It might not be, you know, the advice everyone would give me but it's what makes sense for me. So I listened to it and I did it and I'm not looking back. So. I think the, I guess the final question on this that I would ask is, you know, obviously, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, your father and brother Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is an interesting time of the year, you know, the holidays and things like that. And I'm sure like the, yeah, the first mother's day was extremely tough. You know, I guess, in terms of the family dynamics, um, is there a way to, I don't even know, but, or does it just <laughs> get better over time or do you have like a traditions? Or... Honestly, my, this is going to sound like tough love, but it's a true one. Let go of your traditions. Like if you want to stay in pain, like ex- look forward to your tradition. I guess the crux of it is everything is going to change and that's okay. Change is good. Newness is good. You know, looking at traditions that are broken or dynamics that are broken or changed as all this awful, horrible, sad thing is not going to help you. It's not going to help you grow. You, you know, even if they do change and it's upsetting, you know, it's, you're just going to have to accept it as being part of it and either, either look for the silver linings or, or do something, something else. So, I mean, I, it's as simple as, you know, framing it positively or starting new things. Like when I, the first summer, or sorry, excuse me, the first Christmas that my mom was not around, I started my own new traditions. And one of them was making these candy cranberries by myself every single year. I just finished making them literally an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) And it's my new thing that I get to be in control of. There's nothing no one that can take that away from me unless like every supermarket in America within like 50 miles of me is somehow sold out of cranberries and sugar. I'm making my candy cranberries every Christmas. So again, there's that selfish thing again, like you got to find something that works for you that you can look forward to with holidays and new traditions and new family dynamics. Um, in my case, my family actually got bigger. My dad remarried. So we have I have a stepmom now and two new step siblings and, you know, sure, maybe it was a little bit different and perhaps at times uncomfortable at first, but if you can frame it as, Hey, now there's more people in my life that I get to love, you know, and that's good. So I think it's a matter of reframing and uh, starting new things that are good that you can control. Um, yeah. That all sounds really easy to say. I know that. <laughs> And uh, they were by no means easy to do when I was doing them. And I still do them. Um, But uh, yeah, I guess that would be my advice. Yeah. And, you know, I lied. I have one more. But uh, before we transition to your art, uh, I'd love to just, um, if you could share, you know, for those of us that didn't know your mom, maybe your Hmm. most positive memory of her or like (laughs) something that we can all take. Um, so her spirit can can hit us all um, as well. Yeah. Um, 
that's such a good one. Uh, I don't know if I can pin it down to just one thing, but um, I think the biggest thing with shows is, is she, like I said, I grew up in gymnastics, like major travel, huge gymnast, and I had a ton of gymnastics friends. We would travel all over the country together at meets and everything. And my mom was a gymnast too, right? So it was like our biggest shared thing. Every single meet, she was the loudest voice in the crowd. And it wasn't just during my routines, it was during everybody else's routines to the point where she'd be cheering on a teammate of mine and somebody else, a stranger in the crowd would congratulate her. Like, oh, congrats on your daughter's success. And then, yeah. <laughs> like, their actual parent would be like, actually, that's my daughter. Like, she was just, she was just the most enthusiastic, loving cheerleader of, of everybody else. Like, all she wanted to do was celebrate and cheer on other people. I mean, it was, she was kind of similar in the way to like, you know, how comedians are always trying to make other people laugh. She had that same, you know, focus. It's everybody else first, kindness first. I mean, she was just the, the nicest human there ever was. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Cheer for everybody. That's a good, that's a good spirit to share. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and obviously now today, um, you know, you're a full-time artist. So, you know, there's, there's people that are going to want to hear about that journey as well. So tell us, you know, you're going through, um, this happens right before your senior year, um you're mm -hmm. an art major at Colby mm -hmm. you know what's what's your you know mental attitude at the time was it something that you were dreaming of being in this position where you are today or like what, what was your attitude at the time Not at all. I remember at the time you know because in college everybody asks you what you want to do for your career your job whatever and I would always say something along the lines of, well, I have no idea what my career is going to look like, but I know exactly what my retirement is going to look like. My retirement is going to be me, you know, making paintings casually on the side, like maybe selling them here or there, whatever. I always thought it would be sort of a, a later in life <laughs> endeavor of mine. Um, but the trauma I went through sort of expedited this realization that I think was always going to be inevitable, which is that, no, you are centrally an artist, like this is your main form of expression, your main form of interpreting the world and sharing a vision with others. Um, so it was weird the way it expedited that for me. And I, at the time when it happened, I was only a psych major. I, I wasn't even supposed to be an art major. Um, that semester that I went back to, the first semester of my senior year, my advisor told me I only needed one more class and I could be a double major, a studio major as well and I was like oh that'd be kind of cool like whatever may as well go for it and they said okay well if you're going to be a studio major you'll also have to do a senior exhibition and I was like oh like at this time I was not making any work that I thought was even remotely presentable at all you know my work was suffering if you will you know in a way um but it was also really incredible the way that my trauma also um sort of clarified it sort of like cleared the picture of like, I had this realization of uh, what I wanted to focus on with my art. Like all the confusion about my paintings went away and I was like, oh, I know exactly. Like I'm gonna control almost every other variable, variable except for uh, color. So for that reason, my paintings got very, very, very minimalistic and very controlled. And that's still, you can still see um, 
you know, trends in that in my work today. Um, and they started to look really good. <laughs> um, I started to develop and find my style. And then by the time the exhibition rolled around, I had enough pieces that I was okay with showing. Um, and I wound up uh, winning an award for it. it. It was apparently the only award that my studio department at my college gives out every year for studio art. And it wasn't necessarily about like winning an award. It was, you know, it wasn't that, but it was more that like I had never been recognized at all ever in my life for anything else other than sports. So it was a weird sort of almost borderline cognitive dissonance moment when I was like, <laughs> like, what? This is different. I maybe I have another thing that I'm I'm good at. This is interesting. Um, so yeah, um, but by that time, you know, it's May of senior year. And I had already accepted a job that would put me on a path towards education, towards being a teacher. And I did that, so I, so I put painting on the back burner for a little while. Um, and then sort of three years later, I was feeling this sort of, like there was something missing, there was something empty. I wasn't happy, I was kind of depressed. I was just not doing so well. And I was like, you know, I have a job now, I have some income, I have some free time, like I think I'm gonna start painting again. Um, and that was February of 2020 that wow. I, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> got the keys to my studio that I have now um right before COVID hit um and weirdly COVID was um you know it sort of pushed me into my painting back into my painting process even more aggressively right because there was nothing else to do you know I got really lucky in that sense so I had all the time in the world to just think about painting actually paint figure out if I wanted to make a business out of it. How do I make a business out of it? Hmm, let's learn how to do Instagram as a business. So like, so all this time, like I filled all this time that you had. So you could either like uh, ruminate over COVID or I could sort of new, learn this new skill, right? A lot of people did this. People learned how to make sourdough. People learned how to, you know, people, <laughs> yeah. people yeah. did anything, right? To yeah. fill those moments. And for me, it was a real deep dive into my painting process. And yeah, I think I wrote this to you. It just like, it gave me a really good sort of one-on-one -on -one with my relationship with painting. And I realized that it was a much stronger, healthier, more authentic relationship that made me feel better than my teaching job. And I'm gonna make a difference between my teaching job and my teaching identity here because the job, while the job wasn't right for me at, at the time and still isn't, there's still a massive teacher identity. I love teaching. I love being an educator. And I feel like now it's just kind of in my power. Like I'm, I'm carrying it out uh, my way through my, my art practice. Um, so yeah, by the time I made it through a year and a half of teaching through COVID and it was really hard while, while also building my art business an art career at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, this past summer, it got so uh, busy. I got so busy and so in demand that I um, kind of had a definite choice to make. I mean, I knew I couldn't do both uh, well because I'm someone who likes to do things well and put 100% into yep. things. Yep, focus. So I wasn't going to do both halfway. Um, yep. So I chose the, the relationship, the the work that felt more authentic and, and healthy, which was, which was painting. So here I am now full-time artist since August and it's going amazingly well. 
Um, and I think it's going amazingly well just because I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It makes me feel awesome. And I feel like I'm, you know, honoring my mom and her legacy all at the same time, which is, which is super. I feel like I'm putting that life and that energy and that joy um, back into people's days, lives, weeks, whatever, you know, and that's whether you're just simply watching me on Instagram or if you actually have a peace of mind, um, same thing. Even, even if, and that's why I care so much about, you know, when people walk into my studio and all they want to do is talk, I don't care if you want to buy nothing. That's fine. Let's just have a great talk. That's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Um, tell me what you're going through. What do you think about this piece? What's it, what's it making you feel? How's your day going? That's my favorite, favorite part about being an artist is getting to meet people and, and connect over, over color or paint <laughs> or art. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. So, you know, what would you give as advice to, you know, maybe the the senior in college or even, you know, maybe a working professional today? I mean, obviously they're going to, you know, not in a bad way, but they're going to kind of be like, oh, wow, like in a year and a half, she, you know, February to 2020 to August of 2021, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll kind of be kind of not jealous, but, you know, um, you know, that's, that's not all that much time, you know, and, and, you know, obviously credit to you, but I guess what piece of advice, um, would you give to an artist looking to try to make it, um, either more a side business or become a full business? Um, that you've got to eat a slice of humble pie every day. And what I mean by that is you've got, um, and this characterized my whole year, you know, and maybe it was fast and, but, but that was my path and my journey. And it was a product of like seriously humbling up and being willing to learn and step outside my comfort zone literally every day. I mean, it, it was a learning curve to even start posting my paintings on online. Like, so if that's where you have to start, that's where you have to start. It's, it's funny. I, I had a conversation almost exactly like this in my studio with a artist who was sort of really sheepish and shy and like uh, like being bogged down by this job that she hated and we started there we had this great chat and I was like okay well are you posting and she was like and I was like there's your starting point I see that I saw it in her face I was like that's what makes you uncomfortable start there so um it was not easy at all in that sense like every day was kind of a new adventure where I'd have to you know strap on my my bootstraps and put on my big girl pants and, and try something new or be willing to suck at something at first um and there's still plenty of stuff today that I still am not not awesome at and um that's kind of the coolest part of it is is you'll you'll always have something to improve on and get better at or try different strategies on and that's that's literally all it takes I mean if I waited to have everything figured out and all my ducks in a row and everything perfect and the vision you know there before I even got the keys to that studio I wouldn't be here so I I had no idea what would happen when I got that studio I had no idea what would happen when I first started taking that commission when I first started posting I had no idea that house and garden UK was going to reach out to me that just that just happened um so Part of my success was me going after stuff. A lot of my success was just learning and then 
you know, random opportunities would pop up here or there. And I don't know, but I, but I think central to it all and, and my main, yeah, takeaway is just like, you're going to have to do some learning and, and humble up like every day. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about finding your style. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, was that something that you learned based off of like mentors saying this is what you should do someone buying a piece and you being like oh this is what i should like you know how how is that's a really important question yeah that's a really good question um because i'm going to start with it was absolutely not capital n-o-t about someone buying it i didn't even sell my first piece until last year um never as tempting as it is and this is part of separating like ego from stuff never base your style off of what people buy you know unless it's exactly what feels right in your heart and soul and your creative energy my style was something that came to me sort of as a result of what I was feeling what my story was what I needed like how I needed to express and that took a long time to figure out But it was also partly, I love that you mentioned the word mentor. My professor at the time happened to be wonderful at teaching color um, and color theory. Um, Bevan Engman, shout out to her. She's amazing. Uh, I still keep in touch with her to this day. Um, She's a really important person in my life. Um, She was really there for me too with with my loss. She would sit there and listen to me cry and (laughs) listen to me talk to her about when I cried. I remember asking her, I was like, so Bevan, the other day I was painting and I just burst into tears. Like, am I normal? Like, is that a, like, what's happening to me? And she was like, okay, it just means you're an artist. Like, you know, that just, that just means that this work means something to you. It means that it's important and, and, and listen to that and lean into that. Um, so yeah, it, it, I think styles are born out of whatever your experiences are and how you choose to process them. And um, whatever way that is, even if it's something, again, that doesn't make sense to society, maybe people will hate it. Maybe people will hate it for years. Um, But if it makes sense to you, that's what you need to be doing. Um, And hell, I mean, you can go on for eons about how many artists' work was never appreciated until, you know, some time. But the key to success, no matter when success happens to you or comes your way, or maybe the people who need your work find you, or you find them um, is authenticity, um, because no many, no matter how many years it takes for someone to appreciate your work or buy your work or whatever you want to happen with your work, um, as long as it's made with awesome authenticity, you know it'll it'll get seen, and it'll more important than that, it'll be influential to to you and, and your practice. So I think yeah. authenticity is the thing. Yeah. Is there anything about the studio process um, that you would, you know, give advice on um, as you look back on on your process? In in terms of like painting, uh, make ma- making the the jump to it, you know, how how to choose the right one, um, you know, how to interact with people. I mean, I I don't. Or like anything. getting a like getting a space yeah finding a yeah i mean your space can be anywhere like 
your space, I remember in my first apartment in Boston, my space was a, a ironing board in the corner of my room. <laughs> that was my space. And, and um, it could be your garage. It could be the same room you sleep at as, as long as if you have like a different mental space that you can get yourself in before you work. Um, for me, it just, I knew that I needed um, a, a place for paintings to dry on the wall. And I, I can't have wet paintings on the wall in my living space. So um, me finding a separate studio um, was sort of, you know, what I, what I needed. Um, and it was, it was tricky. It involved a lot of networking. I can't tell you how many, maybe that should be my like takeaway for, you know, an artist that wants to make it. You have to have so many conversations. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I would ask a question to or, or ask somebody for their number for, for, oh, do you know this person? Can I have their email or, or random DMs on Instagram to people like really talented people, <laughs> like being brave and that you just, everyone you can learn something from everyone so my studio came from you know a few conversations of you know starting with a friend of a friend and then they led me to this person and they led me to this person and then I met this person and then you know it sometimes it'll be a long road but you know if you keep asking authentically and politely and passionately you know you'll find where you need to be yeah uh, the business of art you know whether it's you know, um, an exhibit, uh, an exhibition, you know, solo exhibition, you know, commissions, um, you know, is this all just things that you learn by trial or, um, it's all made up. Okay. <laughs> what I say yeah. like that is like, yeah. you make it up. Like, and this is one of the coolest parts of this industry is like, yeah, there might be certain rules that you have to put, but like, you make what you want it to be. If you want to take commissions, take commissions. If you don't want to take commissions, don't take commissions. I actually, um, my business kind of started with taking commissions and that's what sort of got my name out there and like how I started to make a little bit of money and all things like that. But going into 2022, I am seriously cutting back on that um, almost because it's a comfort zone at this point. Um, and I'm gonna allow space for my creative brain to be a little more open and productive. Um, so what was I talking about? Oh, the business. Um, yeah. <laughs> so business you find this, yeah, it's it's a tricky one and and finding your niche and your niche market and how to how to market it that, that it, yeah, it takes time. but um, there's no one way to do it, I think is the is the major thing. And um, I think that's as much as I used to complain about how no one teaches you these things, you know, there's kind of a reason for that. and it, it is because it's it's always an evolving thing and it's an evolving thing because artists are evolving so in other words we as artists kind of get to indicate what the business of art is and it's because it's a, it's a byproduct of what we decide to make so can can you talk to us about your process i know you've done like different series um mm -hmm. you know is it just you get in a certain mood or like you listen to music or how, how do you get into you know I saw the shine series the flow ocean mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. how, do, how do you get into your process um well it's a good question it's it's something I'm still learning um but yeah people ask me how I start things all the time and it just depends either on 
I mean, I could be inspired by something literal that I've seen. I could be inspired by just kind of like a, a mindset. But um, oftentimes I'm kind of, I kind of uh, get out of my own way essentially and start with just a color that I feel like starting with. And that sounds like a really simple way of just, and it is a simple way of saying it, but it describes something really complex and subconscious, you know, to the point where I don't even understand why I'm starting with orange or starting with blue sometimes, mm -hmm. but somewhere in there, in my psyche, either I'm wanting to remember something or I'm wanting to feel something or I'm wanting to receive a certain kind of energy. Um, and then you just kind of have to roll with it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I get a lot of inspiration from reading. I get a lot of inspiration from nature. And that doesn't mean I see a tree and I want to paint a tree. It means that when I get in nature, it sort of helps me tap back into my humanity and, and my psyche and sort of just puts me in a more open mental state of, of being um, where I feel like I can, you know, get into that mindful state and make some art because my process is very sort of meditative and mindful and patient. So if I'm all anxious and stressed out by life things or the city or whatever like it's it's going to be really hard to calm down and make those really smooth lines um so my process depends a lot on me being mentally well and stress-free that's why i don't watch the news <laughs> yeah 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 I, i'm curious um what's your relationship with confidence you know um you know if i were to ask you you know, who you are today versus when, you know, February of 2020, mm. is it just the number of reps or, you know, are you in a different mental state, well, you know, confidence wise? Well, it's like, so funny to say that because I actually, um, I was interviewed, uh, I think about four weeks ago now and sort of on a similar topic, like how my, my year is gone, how this whole process has gone. And this person who interviewed me, um, she knew me about two years ago, like before I started this whole process and, you know, I popped on the zoom screen just like this. And she was immediately like, you look so different. You are glowing. You are like a totally different human. And I was like, wow, thank you. I mean, that means a lot. It, it definitely feels that way. And it's because I just feel more authentic. And, and further than that, I feel like validated by being that authentic person. And um, that's not because I've had all these sales and shows and whatever. It's because I've had the confidence to make my life full of work that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I've, I've like had that confidence to be that person. And that's extremely empowering when you say to yourself, hey, you know what? I feel like I am a certain way. I feel like I want to do this kind of work. And you do it, even if it's for five minutes a day. You know, you don't have to do it full time, um, but allowing yourself to be the way you feel compelled to be. I mean, I think that's it. Um, but that, that's a really good question about confidence because, I mean, just taking that first step, right? Um, you know, that confidence had to come from somewhere. And I think um, I'm grateful to my upbringing and my support and my family and friends. You know, they've been so supportive with whatever I really wanted to pursue my whole life and I sort of 
have a taste of what it feels like to succeed from working really hard with sports and stuff growing up. So I had chances to build it growing up, but then uh, definitely building it specifically to, to my art career was a definite uh, journey and uh, I'm still building it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so talk to me in another year and <laughs> yeah, gonna, hey. see if it gets better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, what's the biggest change when you go from a, a part-time to a full-time artist? <laughs> Time management. Okay. <laughs> Learning how to be your own boss, that is a tough one. Because <laughs> yeah. normally you have your job where, you know, you clock out at five and it's like, okay, you're done now. You don't get that as a full-time <laughs> artist. There's nothing in you that says, okay, you can stop now. Um, so you have to sort of, um, and I'm. this is also something I, you know, I'm, I'm not great at this yet. Um, I'm exhausted right now because I haven't quite learned how to do this yet. Um, so it's, it's one of my goals of, of 2022 is, is setting a bit healthier boundaries, you know, going to sleep at the same time every night, things like that, learning when to fully turn off. Um, I think I'm going to start with, uh, this next week, starting tomorrow. I think I'm going to take a full, nice, like five, or <laughs> days off, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, people ask me all the time, you just like, do you just do anything you want all the time? And you know, have a yeah, and like, no, I do whatever my you know business yeah. brain wants me to do all the time. Sometimes it's it's really consuming and exhausting. Yeah. Um, but no, I am really grateful to to be here and sort of be be learning how to be my own boss. It, it's it's great. Um, but it is is tricky. So watch yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you set goals for yourself or are you kind of just Absolutely. in the, in the process? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have always been a goal setter. I mean, that was something that, um, you know, transferred from my student athlete didness. I mean, I was a nut growing up. I always had these crazy lofty goals and would do these ridiculous things to get after them. So that, I think that, um, skill set definitely transferred to me and my art, um, and uh, yeah, things like making up my own deadlines out of nowhere. No one else is holding me to them but me. I do a lot of that. Um, but I think my, my relationship with goal setting has also changed because um, I think we've all learned a lot about adaptability the last two years, <laughs> right? I mean, I have a friend who literally had like all of his goals planned out for 2020, like to the month, to the day, to the week. And he literally had to scrap the entire thing. <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> that guess what that's what happens in life you you get a random phone call one day and your mom is gone what are you gonna do you you yeah. get a call one day that the world is in a pandemic what are you gonna do so I guess the moral is you we don't have any control you don't all you have is your your responses and, and your attitude and um so goals um become more of like not necessarily goals to work towards but like I don't know, consistent daily mindsets and affirmations and like confidence building and I don't know, like things to focus on rather than things to get to or to achieve, I guess. Yeah. Th this might be a weird question, but what do you hope for? Like when people um, see your art, you know, what do you hope that that evokes for them? I just, that's a good question because I know exactly what I want. All I want and it's my favorite thing to sit in my studio and, and watch when it happens is, and it happens all the time. People walk into my studio and they just almost like forget 
what they're doing. <laughs> they just sort of get a little bit lost. And um, sometimes I can see it in their faces, like they're remembering something or feeling something. I mean, that's, that's just the best, like, cause we get so wrapped up in our day to day and there's, there's so little that we have to just sort of give us permission to stop for a second, take a breath for a second, introspect for a second, feel for a second, for Christ's sake. Um, but I am like really, really proud to be making work that somehow gives people that permission to do that. So, and whether it leads to a conversation or not, I don't care about. When it does happen and I do get to talk to people about what they're feeling or thinking or experiencing with my art, though, though I cherish those greatly. Um, but sometimes I can tell that it's happening in front of my eyes just silently and, and, and that's all I hope for. So it's, it's really such a gift. Yeah. Um, how was, you know, doing your first Cell Legs exhibition, you know, do you have any pieces of advice on, on that process? Um, it's a whole lot more work than you think. <laughs> and when someone asks you to do it in two months, ask for more time. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, no, it was, it was so incredibly cool. Um, such an amazing experience. Um, but, but yeah, know what you're signing up for. Um, ask a lot of questions, ask, ask too many questions. I, one of my first bosses, his best piece of advice, and I still listen to it today is over communicate. Um, so the more you can know literally about everything, about the physical space, about the owner, about the director, about their clientele, about the, the physical size of their walls, anything, the lighting, um, parking, everything. Like the more you know, the better. Um, so yeah, over communicate and plan to run out of time. So one of the things I did that actually made the show possible was I pretended that the show was like two weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. So I gave myself like a deadline <laughs> to yeah. finish painting it. And I nearly missed that deadline. Um, but because I did, um, I had time to problem solve all of the unexpected things that you don't think will happen, but, but then happen. Um, so and I don't think that's different than any other work event or or major deadline for any other industry like it's all about just planning ahead and and over communicating and you know just owning it yeah. <laughs> yeah um i haven't had an art educator on i'm curious um you you mentioned that you like the teaching aspect but maybe the now that you're free of uh you know um being employed there i mean i guess what would you um maybe even for someone that might think it's the right career path for them um what would you say about being an art teacher oh man i loved teach it was the funnest job i it got a little bit different when covid hit but but before that i just loved it it i mean you've got to be a very energetic person which i am thanks to my mom um she had abundant energy it was crazy um so you've got to be a people person you've got to love energy um you have to love kids if you, if you don't love everything about all the children are don't do it i mean i'm thinking about elementary school here or, mm -hmm. or whatever youth in general you've got to have 
a real love for kids um, but it is so much fun and it's so much fun because it's different every single day and you get to um, with teaching art you get to sort of give kids a chance to learn about like something that makes us human you know like you get to teach that art is a part of of just being alive of being a part of this planet because we've been doing it since we were cave people and you know it's it's natural and it's something that you have a right to um and seeing what kids do creatively is like the most inspiring thing I got an idea for an entire series based on a little artwork that a kid did once for me it's so cool uh, I don't think I actually did that series because I didn't have time but um yeah, yeah. they inspired me like crazy and they're a big part of the reason why I'm here actually um because I remember I would I would show them all these videos of contemporary artists on YouTube or whatever that were working and alive today and doing all this amazing work. And one of them looked at me one time and they were like, Miss Sass, you're an artist, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm an artist. And they were like, then why are you also a teacher? And I was like, yeah. because I love being your teacher, a hundred percent. And that's still, that's still, uh, still true. And they were like, but it being an artist is so much cooler and you can do that. Like, why don't you just do that? <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, mind. you're making this really hard. <laughs> yeah. No, but that kid is awesome. He's going places. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they are proud of me. And, and I, I kind of decided that like, I would love to be one of those four minute YouTube videos that they see one day. Because those were, you know, the moments in the classroom that I saw them really light up. Uh, the most is when they could like see something in real life that was really happening and inspired by them. And usually they were people that also looked like them. Like that was a huge part of my curriculum, making sure that art and artists was something that was, you know, seen as incredibly diverse and accessible to anyone, blind artists, disabled artists, artists of every single color and background. So important. Is uh is titling pieces easy? No. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have well, no idea. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say that. I mean, sometimes a piece's title is a hundred percent clear to me from the first layer. Like sometimes it just pops out of me. Like um, ugh, I'm trying to think of a piece. I probably won't. But other times, I will sit with a piece for months before the title comes to me. And, and I think that's because a lot of my pieces are from very, sometimes very, very deep in my psyche, in my subconscious, in my memories. And sometimes it takes me a really long time to be like, God, what is that about? Or <laughs> what does that, or maybe it's not from my psyche and just kind of, you know, something that I'm seeing for the future. And I'm like, what do I want this to remind other people of what, is, what do I want this to symbolize so it, it you know but that's just my experience I mean for other artists it could be totally easy and different but but I find it sometimes extremely difficult and sometimes I just have to title something something that possibly isn't quite right but yeah oh well <laughs> You know, uh, is there something else, um, you know, I, we talked about a good amount with the art process and giving advice um, yeah. that I, I missed out on that you feel like is, is also something that's valuable. Um, I'm just trying to think of things that I've already chatted about with people. Um, I don't know. I think I think we talked about a lot of it. We talked about authenticity. We talked about 
learning curves and vulnerability we talked about. I mean, I had a great question one time about, you know, how do you, like it's expensive. It's expensive to, you know, buy materials and things, you know, to not have any assurance of whether it's gonna sell or not. That's a hard part of it, but sometimes you just have to do it. You, you, it, you, you won't know if you don't try. And if you need materials to try, save up some money. I mean, I was so frugal my first couple of years teach. I mean, I never spent any money and people would always ask like, why don't you treat yourself? Why don't you? And I was like, cause I don't know. It just doesn't feel like I know I'm gonna wanna spend money on something one day. Like, and it's not anything that's in front of my eyes right now. And I was totally right. It was the studio. It took me three years, but I finally had enough money to invest in the studio. So, you know, put your money where your, your wishes are. Um, and if it means just saving up for a while, do it. But uh, yeah, don't, don't worry about it if it's, if it's gonna sell. If you wanna try something, you gotta invest in yourself. Yeah, 100%. What's the future of uh, Katie Southward? art only time will tell right i'm mm -hmm. so excited for it i yeah. i mean i think i'm going into it with a hugely open mind i have no idea what's coming all i know is that i'm excited to try all new things you know i don't want to make the same mistakes twice i don't want to have the same experiences over and over i'm just really looking forward to taking complete ownership of you know this new lifestyle of mine and taking on all new uh, challenges and collaborations and travel and just seeing what happens. Uh, this kind of one day at a time and yes mentality that I've built up over the year and a half have worked out super well. So do I have any super specific goals? Not at all. I'm just have a goal of just constantly innovating and looking for new, 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 bigger, bigger, better and take care of yourself at the same time yeah so uh yeah. we'll see awesome. and uh and have a really good feeling about it so yeah well katie um we talked about a good amount was there was there something that you wanted to talk about or in part um um no i mean i just am really grateful that you're doing this work i mean i know you've been through your own journey and your own losses and you've done a lot of what we've talked about you know kind of like being the change you want to see doing the work you want to do and I just um I congratulate you for that and I'm really grateful to be a, a part of that so uh, I just I guess I'm just wanting to say thank you and uh I hope more people out there you know use gratitude and all that to find their own meaningful journeys in life yeah, no, it's an interesting um, dichotomy and maybe you feel the same way, but, you know, people give me compliments all the time and then, you know, I think back and I'm like, you know, if Pat hadn't died, you know, I, I wouldn't even be here, um, which is a crazy, mm -hmm. crazy, crazy thought. Um because I would never have done any of this uh, if it were not for that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as you, as you talked about, we have to, to live with the variables that are at hand and try to make the best of, of the situation. And um, mm -hmm. so thank you for that. And, and you didn't talk about it, but 
you know, I, I, I believe a percentage of all, all of your sales are donated to the American Foundation for yeah. Suicide Prevention, which is an yeah. awesome, awesome thing. Yeah. Um, no, that's a huge, huge part of it. And um, it makes me really happy to be able to do that. That was a portion of my solo show. Um, went to, we, the owner of the gallery and I decided to split it between uh, AFSP and a more local Connecticut um, mental health chapter. And um, yeah. It, giving back is a huge part of my whole process. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, for people that want to support you, follow you, things like that, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. I would love to connect with anyone and everyone out there that, you know, is interested in art or color or mental health or just joy. Um, and you can find me at um katie southworth what is it katie southworth underscore art is my instagram um and then you can find everything else from there um my website is katiesouthworthart.com and uh yeah i love i love chatting with everybody um, online I'm, I'm on instagram most days so definitely shoot me a follow you can subscribe to my email list on my website as well that's how you'll get like direct notifications about any shows or new releases i have going on um so yeah i'm excited to meet you all yeah. reach out well katie I, I just want to thank you you know as i said before um you know these aren't easy things to talk about and you know i know um you know kind of back to a couple sentences ago you know a lot of people give me the credit um, but without the guest speaking about it, um, these conversations don't get normalized. And, exactly. um, you know, I think the resources, you know, um, of having these and, and really talking about, you know, the after effects and, and what, you know, advice we would give to people in the situation, you know, even being a resource, um, you know, for someone that's going through a similar situation as you, you know, this year, um, yeah. instead of 2015, you know, um, all of these things, um, I'm really grateful to you, um, for sharing that and being vulnerable. And I, I just want to say just from my personal perspective, just, you know, it's, it's awesome that you've taken, um, such a tough, tough thing and, you know, been able to, create a full-time business. I don't know if you're able to, I know you're in the process. So, you know, and you're very, you know, but like to, to reflect on that, to be like, you know, every time you sell a, a painting or something like that, you know, mindfulness, joy, mental health or, or talked about, or, you know, even if the person doesn't even know that about you, you know, right. a commit, you know, a percentage of the sale is automatically donated to, you know, the American foundation for, suicide prevention so it's a really really neat thing um you know and i i just i wish you the best um uh, in your journey thank you that means a lot it's a joy to do it it's it's i'm so grateful that i'm able to do it um and the goal is to just keep it growing and keep the outreach and the conversations going that's what it's all about so thank you for the conversation and i Hope that they continue for you as well. Thank you. All right.